Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Coyotes lead the Jets 1-0 after two periods late in the second. Vancouver up 2-1 on the Canadians. The tentacle team leading the Sabres 5-3 early in the third and just getting underway in Calgary. It's the Penguins and the Flames. Pittsburgh here on Wednesday. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey face-off show at 6. The game will start at 8. Halfway through the second quarter, Monday Night Football, Seattle leading 7-3 in Washington. Appreciate you checking out the show tonight. We are going to go to the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. And it's my good buddy Blake Dermott standing by. Blake, how are things? I'm I'm doing doing well, Reed. Uh, things are good. Good, good. It's uh, good to have you on the show, of course, uh, as always, so I can learn a little bit about football. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, uh, hey, we we haven't talked. I guess it was a week ago today, in uh, the good old sports terminology, the Edmonton Elks blew it up. Uh, you know, you covered the season as as closely as anybody, and it was uh, it was a frustrating one. Uh, you know, first of all, I'll ask you from two perspectives. Just, just your perspective uh, a, as an analyst. Do, do you know what do you think of the team going nuclear? Basically, like it wasn't like okay, we'll fire this guy and let somebody else decide about the rest. Like they got rid of the three biggest decision makers in the organization. Well, when you uh, have the season that the Elks had with only three wins, uh, I think that was uh, something that was going to happen. It just <clears throat> and. And whenever you're firing people, um, and people that have you know uh, have been hired to do that work, that's it's always a tough decision. And you know, but but when you're professional sports is all about uh, it's all about successes and wins. And having three wins on a season is uh, is not something that you're going to typically see guys stick around for. You, you know, I was I was not surprised that they blew it up. I was surprised that it happened as quickly as it did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, you know, there are some people that, uh, I, I felt a little bit bad for because I, I, I think that, uh, somebody like, uh, uh, Jamie Elizondo, who, uh, was, you know, in a tough situation right from the get go. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think Jamie Elizondo is a decent guy and a good coach. I mean, you don't get to a position of being hired as a head coach unless you have a pretty strong, uh, resume. And I think that, uh, it was a, it was a tough situation for him this year and, uh, and uh, but you know when you're when you're the head guy and you're in charge of that on-field pr- product and that on-field product isn't very strong, I mean they're all everybody's hired to be fired and uh, that was the case with with Jamie uh, along with the other guys today or last week. Yeah, you know I talked to uh, to an Elks player not not for attribution was was the terms of the the conversation, but you know he said. Uh, he, he said, look, he said all, all the starters and the guys who were playing, the, the effort level dropped off. He said there might have been some players on the periphery of the roster who maybe lost a little bit of interest as the season went on. Um, and, he, and he said he kept trying till the end of the season. But he also said, you know, the last few weeks, you're just closing your eyes and trying to punch your way through it because you know there's not going to be a playoff spot. Um, 
I, I know you mostly play. I, I don't know if you ever played on a team that, well, you wouldn't have played on a team that missed the playoffs, but like I know Rob Brown from our hockey broadcast has said when a, when a coach gets fired as a player, even if he didn't like the coach, you feel a little bit embarrassed. I mean, what do you think it would be like as a player waking up Monday and hearing like, oh, my God, all my bosses are gone? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, Rob Brown is right in that you, you, not only do you feel embarrassed, but you feel uh, a little bit, you feel responsible uh, to some point. And, and, and there were instances where I saw coaches get replaced in the time that I played. And, and, uh, and in some cases, uh, you know, I was happy that they were gone. Um, they were, uh, uh, th- this was a, a situation that wasn't going to fix itself. Um, and uh, sometimes, uh, in, and this is a case in, in all professional sports, sometimes uh, a, a new face and a new a, a new voice is uh, is just what the doctor ordered, and uh, and and hopefully that's going to be the case uh, going forward with the Elks. You know, the last time the Elks had a, a really poor season, and, and I know they missed the playoffs once under Jason Moss, and you know scraped into the, the the crossover position a couple times, but the last time they had a really poor season was 2013. They were four and 14, and you know, we're, we're out of it fairly early, but I, I think it was uh, six games. They lost by less than a touchdown. Riley was coming on. And I think a lot of people left that season feeling like, okay, you know, maybe there's going to be a step forward here. Yeah. You know, Cavis got let go. Chris Jones came in, but there were, there were some exciting games that season. And I think some players you wanted to build around. I'm curious if there were any players that really impressed you this season that made you think, okay, like that, that's a guy that, that needs to be back because there's something there. Well, I think the, the running back situation over the last number of games, last three, four games uh, with Fletcher uh, having a, uh, a really strong uh, performance. And, you know, this is a young guy who hadn't really played a game since 2019. I think when he was started a game when he was in college and, and he came in and did a, a really nice job at the running back position. And I thought, I thought there was some nice play from the defense and the defensive line was consistent. Uh, uh, their, their defense f- for the most part all season was very consistent, uh, but from an offensive standpoint, obviously when you get rid of your, your franchise quarterback, because you just don't feel that you're getting two things, you're, you're not getting the leadership, you're not getting the play from them. Then uh, that's a, a critical blow to an organization because that position is so in football is just such a, such an important position and, and going forward, that's a big question mark for the Elks. Do they have the right guys that are going to be pulling strings next year? And uh, and you know, uh, coming in with a new uh, a new offense coordinator, new head coach, uh, that's going to be the, all eyes are going to be on that position uh, going forward. Yeah, and still, still weird to me that Arbuckle didn't play, didn't even dress. You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> they traded for him and then re-signed him and then, what, had to give up another pick because they did that and he never even was in, in uniform. And now well, there's going to be a new coach and GM and who knows what he thinks of Nick Arbuckle. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, the thing about Nick Arbuckle is he's got a little bit of a resume, you know, and, and uh, I mean, everybody's hoping that he can get back to the form that he had when he was in Calgary. But I think it would have been very unfair to that player to bring him in and to put him into a situation, as you mentioned, where some of the players and starters and, and veteran guys had kind of checked out. And you're going to put that guy into a situation where, you know, ultimately there's going to be, I mean, everybody around the organization, I'm sure everybody was, was not surprised that the changes were made, uh, but the, you're going to put him into a situation where it's not even going to be the same next year. So what are you going to learn from that? What are you going to learn from him being in that situation, playing around guys that, uh, 
uh, you know, uh, let's let's just say probably I would say 25 to 30 percent of that roster is going to be different next year, and and I don't oh, think sure, you're going to yeah. you're, you're not going to gain anything from putting them into a tough situation and, and risk getting them injured. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, obviously the Elks say they want to have a new GM by the end of the calendar year and uh, a new president by the end of January, and I assume a coach would come around that time as well because then you got to go into free agency in February. So there will be a, a lot of things to discuss there. All right, yesterday, um, I, I did not get to see much of the Hamilton-Montreal game. I watched the Saskatchewan-Calgary game with a very good friend of mine, Blake, who is a Saskatchewan fan. Please don't hold that against me. And I, I found myself... <laughs> We've all from... got them in our closet. We've all got them. <laughs> I, I found myself watching him more than I was watching the game, especially as it. Uh, he sat down before the game and he said... You know, as I've as I've learned, especially from hosting Oilers broadcasts, fans tend to be very pessimistic about their own teams for whatever reason. Uh, and we sat down to watch the game, and he said, "We're going to lose on a Paredes field goal on the last play." <laughs> At the end, I said, "Hey, Paredes missed. He missed, and you guys won." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh, that you know from from the sample and not being one to ever have uh, been known to cheer for Calgary, but it's always difficult with a guy like Rene Paredes who who's had such a great career to this point, and I think he'd only missed four field goals all season, and he missed three of them in the most critical game, and uh, you know it was just uh, it was just one of those things where. They had done enough to win, and uh, the, the the Stampeders, and especially when the the Rough Riders are helping you out by throwing four picks. Um, that very unheard of to see a team uh, throw four interceptions and win a game. And uh, so, but from from the standpoint of excitement, I thought the I thought it was a, a classic CFL game in that it. Uh, it you know, when they needed to score in the second half, they came up, both teams marched the ball down the field and scored and, and kept it exciting. And then, of course, going into overtime and coming down to a missed field goal. And, and uh, um, I, I just thought it was a great game to watch. And, and watching the other the other game on the other side, you know, the Montreal started out well, first drive, go down the field. And, and much like the way the elk season was this year, they drove, first game of the year, drove the ball down the field like a hot knife through butter and then had to kick a field goal. And then after that, um, Harris just looked like he had looked for the Elks this year. He just looked like he I'd never seen a player get so old so fast. He, like he he struggled with getting rid of the ball. He struggled. He can't. He's not. His lack of mobility was evident. The balls were coming out of his hand, fluttering. He uh, got pounded. He fumbled. He, you know, he just he just looked like somebody that uh, was. Uh, uh, I don't know. Is he is he even still relevant as a quarterback in this league going forward? Yeah, I know. I think that's that's a, that's a fair question because there's so many games that just he either didn't perform or, like you said, he might drive the ball a bit, but then it wouldn't lead to lead the touchdowns. Okay, so are you sticking with? I don't think we're going to talk before Sunday. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you? Are you are you yeah. calling a Saskatchewan upset? Are you ready to predict that at 7:16 p.m. The, the Monday before the game on Inside Sports against Winnipeg. Well, certainly if they play the way they did this week, they're not going to beat the Bombers. They're, you know they can't they can't go into that game with you know giving the ball to the Bombers that many times for you know with, through interceptions. So so Fajardo has got to play better. Um, and um, but you know here's here's the thing, you know I I, I don't know how many times I played as a, uh, on a team that uh, was in first place going into that uh, Western final, and we lost. 
They have a home game. I mean, all the pressure, all the pressure is on the Bombers. They've had coming off a week by. I'm sure they're going to have healthy bodies and all that kind of stuff. They're going to have a big crowd, but half of that crowd, you know, is going to be green. Uh, so it's going to be a, it, it's going to be a fun game to play, a fun game to watch. And uh, and I'm not I'm I'm not going to hang my hat on the the fact that I think the the Rough Riders are going to win this. I think they can uh, if they play if they play well. But I, I would I would suggest that th- this is a game that uh, now watch. Now I'm going to pick the Bombers and they're going to go out and lose. But, but I think the Bombers are going to win this game. My my thought is the is the Grey Cup game uh, because I think Toronto's playing very well and. Uh, there's something about that Hamilton team and uh, the fact that they, the last time they played the Bombers in, in the Grey Cup, they lost. I think this is a team that is good enough. Have they played to the level that they need to all season? No. But there are times when they play, and both Toronto and, and, and Hamilton, when their defenses are very strong and their quarterbacks are playing very well. So, And, and if Hamilton can beat Toronto, that's going to be a fun game to see Hamilton in playing at home against the Bombers, uh, it'll be a, be a great game and anything can happen at that point. I, I just quickly, uh, I'm looking this up on the fly. I think I got it here. From 88 to 2001, the home team, so the first place team, lost the West Final 11 times in that 14-year stretch. And that yeah. overlapped with most of your era as a player, right? So, yeah. no, I don't yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, right. like we 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 played in I think in, in my 14 year career we played in nine Western Finals and only made it to the Grey Cup five times, so we lost a lot and then we won a lot of those Western Finals because we were second place going into the home, t- uh, going into uh, you know into Calgary to to play them and and, and beat them. So yeah, that's it is a it's a tough thing to do to win that game and uh, I know that maybe since that time historically that uh, that the home game has meant a little bit more but it used to be almost a curse to have that home uh, yeah. that, that home game. So so it's going to be, like I said, there's so much pressure having played in those games, have so much pressure on you in front of your fans to produce a win to put you into the Grey Cup, and, uh, and we'll see how they handle it. All right, quickly before I let you go, I know you're a uh, New England Patriots fan. Six wins in a row, baby. They're back on top of the AFC East. Belichick's a genius. <laughs> well, Mac Jones is playing pretty good, and uh, that defense of, uh, of the Patriots is, is so strong. And, and it's interesting over the last couple of days, just listening to how many pundits are saying that this could be the team, that it could be a Bucks and well, uh, Patriots uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it, who, would who would you cheer else. for? You cheer for the Patriots, uh, right? You no, know, I, I think I would cheer for the Patriots. Although, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy Brady. I'd probably just sit there and. And eat lots of wings and and uh, and just have way too much to drink to just watch it. <laughs> I just hope well, that's you every game, but... Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blake, uh, this was a blast as always. Uh, thanks for your perspective on the Elks and the CFL Division semis and a quick look ahead to Sunday. Hope you're doing okay, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Reed. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Uh, that is Blake Dermott. Uh, our Elks analyst here at 630, Chad. Uh, I mean, I just enjoy having Blake on the show so much. And yes, he has been most of the season hinting at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, uh, far and away the best team in the league during the regular season, as having something go wrong for them in the playoffs and perhaps not winning the Grey Cup. So, But he, he was not ready to commit to that happening on Sunday when they host Saskatchewan in the uh, West Final. All right.
Well, we'll see. 780-496-0063 is the hotline and the text number. You can email insidesports at 630chet.com. Gene Principe is coming up between 7.30 and 8. And we'll get to some comments Dave Tippett made about Phil. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Broberg. First round draft pick from 2019 is defenseman Philip Broberg. He's now played four games in the NHL, 14 and a half minutes in his first game, then 19 minutes, then 21 and a half, then 23 and a half Saturday in Vegas. Dave Tippett asked about Broberg playing a lot. Playing a lot of a necessity right now. Those guys come back. We all play ahead of them. He's a good young player, but let's be realistic. All right. So uh, interesting from Tippett there. A good young player, but let's be realistic. So once Keith and Nurse come back, maybe Cuckoo, I think Philip Proberg probably back to Bakersfield if everybody else is healthy. I did ask Tippett about Proberg adjusting to the speed and size of the National Hockey League. He's done well sometimes, and sometimes he's a little behind. That's just part of learning. You know, he's, uh, if you look at uh, Pooley Arby's goal the other night, he, Goes in, gets things shut down, and creates a loose puck for our centerman to get. And there was four or five times in the game when he was late getting things shut down and things got a little more chaotic than they should have in our own end. So that's uh, that's just part of being a young defender, playing big minutes. All right, that is Dave Tippett on Philip Broberg. So, again, I think a pretty good indication that uh, – Unless there are continued injuries, Philip Broberg will not remain with the Oilers for the entire season. Maybe he'll be up a little bit later on. Okay, 780-496-0063. Gene Principe is coming up. You'll get the scoreboard update as the Penguins, who are the Oilers' next opponent, are going at it with the Flames all ahead on Inside Sports. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.